to episode two of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. I'm here joined once again by Mr. Ethan DeVille with his Bengals hey. shirt on. And actually in person by Jay Biz. He's got the full garb on his Terry Bradshaw jersey, his Steelers hat, which I actually copied from the thrift store. So you're welcome for yeah. that. Thank um, you, Boris. Years ago. Last episode, we've received rave reviews already. Um, we're not on the Apple charts yet. Apple's trying to hold us down. It's been now 11 days since I uploaded the podcast and we've heard nothing. No. <laughs> Maybe we'll be on Apple by the time the season ends. Um, but we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And I've always wanted to say it's anywhere you find your podcast, but Apple, of course, not right now. Good news, though. Spotify does not require a premium account to sign in and listen to their podcasts. Yes. So you can still catch us on there, even if you traditionally use Apple Music. Absolutely. Yes, which I do. I downloaded Spotify just to support our podcast. It's a little, you know, narcissistic of me, but if I don't listen, who will? <laughs> so anyways, yeah, it is uh, late August as we're recording. This season is just about two weeks away. Feels like it's kind of creeping up on us, but we are right in the middle of preseason right now. A lot of teams playing their final games this weekend as we record. Now, something that just happened in the preseason, the Ravens, I think they broke the NFL record for consecutive preseason wins. It's now 20 preseason wins in a row, but they lost J.K. Dobbins in this last game. He got hit in the knee, carted off the field. They said they were doing an MRI today. We'll probably know like what is actually going to happen by the time this comes out. But as of right now, we're projecting the worst. So, so what do you guys like? Do you actually do you watch preseason football? Do you take any stock into it? I absolutely watch preseason football. I am fascinated by it about as much as a regular season. I love the process of watching a 90 man roster go down to 53 and then like figuring out who's going to go on the practice squad. Okay. If we wave this guy, do you think someone else will pick him up? think we can get him back after we cut him. I, I just love the every, even though like we're not on hard knocks this year, I love like the aspect of that and just seeing who's going to make it. Who's not. And I get that it's guys fighting for like, six string cornerback at that point you know what i mean but i still think that's fun like they, they probably won't play a snap the regular season but it's great to watch because you're dedicated an aspect i enjoy of the preseason is like seeing new players on your team seeing how they perform you know your uh, new draft picks seeing how they perform seeing how they mesh with your team seeing how they're starting to develop you know guys that are coming back from injury it's nice to see them out there see how they're doing see how they're coming back so that is all interesting you know obviously i don't take as much stock in it as the regular season, but I do think the preseason is very important. Um, last year, I think we definitely saw, you know, some teams start off very slow due to the, uh, the missed preseason due to COVID, you know, it's very hard for guys that were just coming into the league or fighting for those roster spots. So they're kind of getting back into it. Yeah. I like yeah. preseason. It's important. I think it's interesting. The time that we're in now, it's like the revolution of preseason football, because you're seeing, I remember it used to be just Peyton Manning be like the one guy oh the Colts aren't even going to play him during the preseason he was like the only one that did it but now you're seeing like it was news that Baker Mayfield was going to play in the Browns final preseason game it's news obviously Joe Burrow probably needs the reps but it was news that he was going to play and for that reason because you've seen guys like J.K. Dobbins but no I, to answer my own question I honestly have watched more Steelers preseason football than anything because of the Hall of Fame game and I think their second game I watched a little bit but part of that for TV. me, yeah. part of that for me is just like trying to see Mason Rudolph and watch him fail or I hope that he fails because the, the shatter forward I get, I get from watching that guy struggle on the football field. I was really hoping that we were going to trade him uh, still during might. this preseason. We still might. Still might. Um, <laughs> I could see them trading him, making Haskins 
number two guy and have, having Dobbs as a third string. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we could get solid, at least decent return for Mason Rudolph, you know, late round yeah. pick, fifth or sixth round. Reliable backup, I guess. I think Haskins definitely has the higher ceiling for y'all. He does. I, I will say, you said you don't put much stock in it because it's mostly backups playing. A little anecdote about that. There were, um, so when the Browns went 0-16, I know for a fact they went 4-0 that preseason. And I was like, I was all amped up for the season. Like, yeah, they've got a winning team this year. It's We're going to go. get it done. <laughs> We're going to get it done. No, no. All of them happened in the preseason, none in the regular season. But it's because a lot of those guys were fighting for starting spots. Whereas you see other teams, like starters are already, you know, in place. They're on the sideline watching. Also, the Lions that went 0-16 also went 4-0 in the preseason. So in the grand scheme of things, preseason does matter for like those tertiary players that are maybe, you know, special teamers or might get in once people get hurt later in the season. Don't, don't take everything with a grain of salt, you know, don't yeah. take too much of this to heart because that's how you get hurt. <laughs> I honestly think the training as the training camp aspect of it is yeah. like yeah. what we don't see, I think ends up being more important in the eyes of the team making like starter starting decisions. Like when Russell Wilson got drafted to the Seahawks, um, you know, they had paid Matt Flynn a bunch of money to come in and be their starter. He right. never even saw the field in the regular season because Russell Wilson beat him out of camp. And it wasn't because of his preseason performance. It's because of what, you know, he was doing at camp every day in front of the coaches. Speaking of camp, the, I don't know if the Bengals have done, have the Bengals done any joint practices to Billy? No, they almost never do. And this year yeah. was no exception. They had no joint practices. Cause the Browns. It's rare that Mike Brown lets them do a joint practice. Yeah. Well, I know they're, they're a little, like they have the facility. I don't know if there's a lot of space enough for like two whole teams there, right inside the, the highway and the stadium, that little gap there that they practice in. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> no, the Browns did a uh, joint practice with the giants for a few days ahead of a game, but it almost seems like the joint practices are now replacing the games. Cause like, that's the only time you see the starters going against starters is these mm-hmm. joint practices. And I guess, you know, there's reason to that because you can't tackle the quarterback, whereas you go to the preseason game, all bets are off. You can do whatever you want within the rules of play, obviously. I think maybe the Bengals, they just need to go to some other team's facility and do a joint practice there. Maybe. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think those are kind of fun to watch when if media right. is allowed to be there, you know. Um, exactly. That's always hit or miss. Right. I'll hit sure. you guys with this. Do you think, like, when you see things like Dobbins go down – starters play at beginning or the end of the preseason you guys think it's okay or not like because you get half people that are like of course give them reps the other half that are like of course not don't let them play like it's joe burrow's gonna play tonight for probably he'll probably do two handoffs and throw a screen and then they'll pull him um joe mixon i don't think is gonna play at all what do you guys think about that do you get pissed when you see your starters go out there in a preseason game or no not i mean no i think it's more of a decision between the player and the coach I do think that starters, like, it's smart to get them in and get, like, game reps, especially guys that missed any time with injuries the year before. But also just, like, if there have been any adjustments in, like, your starting lineup, you know, just so guys can get, like, game feel together and kind of get that relationship built. Because that's not easy, especially if you get new offensive linemen. Like Steelers said, we have an entirely new offensive line. So, like, I wanted to see them play a bunch of reps together. You know, they need it. You know, the only thing that's going to build that chemistry is like the game reps with them. Absolutely. Yeah. See, I, after last season with no preseason, I know that things started off slowly kind of around the league, but I feel like that kind of happens anyways. So I personally, after seeing all this stuff, I don't know if I want 
Baker Mayfield out there. And obviously that guy like Odell Beckham Jr. who is injury prone, like he is, is never going to be out there. Or Denzel Ward or Miles Garrett, probably never going to be out there during the preseason. And that's the smart move. But I do agree. Like there is something to building camaraderie, building chemistry. And it seems like those offensive linemen, like they're always harder to get injured anyways, or more prone to playing through injury. So I'll, I'll get even deeper with it real quick before we move on to one more topic. Do you guys think the agents play any part in that? Do you think Joe Mixon's agent is like telling him the hell he is playing tonight? Absolutely not. Or do you think, do you think the ownership even cares what the agent says? How do you guys think all that works? Cause I bet they play a part. I, I absolutely. Yeah. I think it has to be because I mean, it's all money related, you know? Yeah. The owners want the players to play because they want to entertain the fans who are paying money and they want to actually have people watch the game. But yeah, no, the agents are prized possessions, prized commodities of the players and they don't want to get hurt. So I don't think they do either. I I was just going to say, I think it's interesting because I think we're seeing a little bit of a shift in like the way players view themselves. And it's kind of gone over the last, like in 2000, when you talked about a player, they were kind of seen as the employee of the team. I don't think NFL players, and this goes for all sports, see themselves as that anymore. I think they see themselves as independent contractors that are willing to suit up for the highest bidder. And so I think that agents in the preseason have a little more sway than they used to when they can be like, no, he's not playing tonight. Absolutely not. You've seen enough from him. Whereas 20 years ago, the ownership might have more of a right to be like, nah, he's going to go out there for two drives. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's the player empowerment era. So started in the NBA. Started in the NBA. And now you see... Aaron Rodgers obviously, you know, ended up coming back, but that was the most like NBA type NFL move. That was so bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah. I I thought he was going to go host Jeopardy for a hot sec. I was like, he still might. I know. He still might. I think he should, honestly. And I, he said if they would make it work with his schedule, like if Jeopardy would, then he would absolutely. They should. Yeah. Because, because, yes, he's going to go, he's going to go somewhere else after this year. It's going to be Denver. It's going to be, Vegas, it's going to be LA, it's going to be somewhere out there. It has to, especially like he sees Tom Brady, you know, the relationship he has with people in Tampa Bay. He sees like that their influence Tom Brady has on the team. And he's like, look, I'm just as good, if not better than him. I should have the same thing and we will win championships. And, you know, it is interesting. Um, him and LeFleur have won, they've got like, six more you know like 30 plus or 40 plus point games mm-hmm. than you know Rodgers or McCartney had like it's just or McCarthy had like I don't think it's ever been it was never LaFleur versus Rodgers it was just Rodgers versus no. the Packers I think Rodgers I and LaFleur, LaFleur they like each other a lot yeah Rodgers talks about that like it, he always brings it up he's like no nah, Matt and I have a great relationship yeah you see it on the field I mean it's exactly. why been so good it works out and building off the yeah. Jeopardy thing I agree with you, Davili. I think Jeopardy is the right move. And I think he should have done it like right away this year. Cause I, even, even if he pulls a uh, Brett Favre, remember how Brett Favre like took a year off after he retired from the Packers and no, he didn't wasn't no, he would just for like four years in a row, he'd be like, I'm retired. Retired than not. And he then did. He'd come back after training camp. He'd come back after training camp and join back up. Like, all right, I'm here, you know, um, yeah, but, but he did, he forced his way. He retired. And then he got his way out of there to the Jets. Right. You know, he played with the Jets for one year and then he retired again and went to the Vikings after that. The Vikings. And I then, remember that. He was so wishy-washy about it. You're totally right. It was like every year it's like he's retiring and everyone's like, okay, when's he going to announce he's not? Exactly. It's not that Aaron Rodgers needs money either. But if you think about just from a financial standpoint, Jeopardy versus the NFL, yes, he gets more per year. 
as a quarterback, like as an MVP quarterback in the NFL. But Jeopardy, Trebek was getting paid. They said anywhere in between ten to fifteen dollars a year. And million here, dollars. Yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah, fifteen to ten to fifteen million dollars. <laughs> yeah, not ten to fifteen dollars. Um, <laughs> and he can do that for the rest hour. of his life. Like, he's not going to be able to make that much money in the yeah. NFL for the rest of his life. Exactly. It's only you know a handful of years, Trebek barring no injuries. Trebek like, did it till he died. Yeah, like, literally, literally until he died. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> could be up there for forty more years, but he still can't. Like, he still not if they name another host so that that host ends up hitting it off. Well, they did, and then that they uh, yeah, they can't you know split <laughs> up with that guy. So that's it's a, totally that's open. Another. Like I could see them going and doing the temporary ones for like a year or two, flirting with him, and then he finally kind of settles in. But that's it'll happen. Another story. It'll that's happen. Another story. But yeah. So moving on, I told you guys, you know, since we are about to kick off the season, like kind of pinpoint two things you were looking for with your team. Now we are missing a Ravens perspective here, so maybe we can uh, fill in the blanks there. Maybe a Ravens perspective to come in the future. That's that's on hold for the moment. But Davili, first off, with your Bengal B, and you, you as the ruler of the jungle, or whatever yes. the heck they're doing with that slogan. What are the two things that you're looking for for the uh, black and orange with the tiger stripes? Something I'm looking for. One, okay, so I'm going to go with a player and a coach. The player I'm looking for, and this is going to sound trivial, is our new kicker, Evan McPherson. This kid's a freak. And I know, like, kicker isn't important. We drafted a kicker that was dumb. Whatever. I am so sick of watching bum-ass Randy walk out there and consistently miss 42-yard field goals. I'm so excited we've got somebody in-house now that if they go line up to kick a 53-yarder, you're like, okay, there's a solid chance he could hit this. Because Randy, I don't even want to get into the whole leg cramp thing. That freaks me out so much. Um it kickers matter. And I think it's so cool that we finally have the kicker for the next 10 years. Most likely he's probably going to put up, you know, be in the Bengals. He'll probably have to kick three or four field goals a game, or at least attempt them. And it's, it's great knowing that if he goes out there to kick a 38 yarder, he's probably going to make it because at that distance with Randy out there, you're terrified that he's going to miss and half the time he would. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so another thing I'm looking for is our new defensive coordinator. Well, new he's been here for, this is going to be his third year to finally do things with the roster he has built. The Bengals defense has been terrible for like five years now. I get it. And everyone, when we got this new defensive coordinator, he had no street cred. He was just a defensive backs coach from the Giants. The only reason he got this job is because he knew Zach Taylor when they were at Miami together. It was like, I'm going to hire my friend type thing. And he took a lot of shit for that. Our veterans are all gone, and I couldn't be more happy about it. I'm, as much as it sucks to see Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins and Sean Williams and Drake Kirkpatrick, along with all these guys, go on offense, I'm excited that we finally have the guys that they want on this team. And I think it's going to translate to some wins this year. I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs necessarily. I'm just saying I think we have a solid chance to have like a nine and eight season with the, what's going on. And you just, you need that. You need roster turnover when you get a new coaching staff and something that I think has held us down for the last couple of years now is Jack Taylor was trying to win with, with Marvin Lewis's players. And it just wasn't working. Like AJ Green's probably going to go be a freak for Arizona this year. He just didn't fit into this new offense. I know I was talking about defense a minute ago, but all I'm trying to say is all these guys that were great, like William Jackson, great man coverage cornerback. He's gone. He dissed the Bengals. He's no good in zone. Lou Anarumo only wants to run zone with this new cornerback scheme he's got going. So I'm just excited to see a bunch of non-disgruntled players come in and maybe make something of themselves and on this new team. I'm excited. 
you know, Davili, just because it's a new kicker doesn't mean he's guaranteed to make all those 35 and 40. Oh, he's, Evan yards. McPherson's a freak. It's gonna be he's gonna be launching okay. 67 yarders. He's gonna be breaking NFL records. It's gonna be crazy. He's gonna be going out for extra points. He's gonna say, back it up five yards. I want to get my bearing straight. And he's gonna be kicking them in all day long. It's gonna be insane. I'm so pumped. Speaking of kickers, I don't mean to hijack your point, but the Browns actually, after the consistency of Cody Parkey, which I can't believe I said that, but after yeah. Cody Parkey performed so well for them last year, made every field goal in the playoffs, he injured himself and he's not going to be on the team this year. <laughs> so they have, and ever since Phil Dawson left, there has been a void at kicker for the Browns so much. They have a yeah. guy named Chase McLaughlin. So we'll see how Chase does, but we'll see. He may be gone. You know what's funny five. about that is – did Cybert used to play for you guys? You guys yeah. had Cybert at one point, Austin, correct? Austin Cybert was a he was a draft pick of the Browns. Yes, he was a fifth round pick too, just like McPherson was. He was a fifth round is high for a kid. Yeah. That's very high. Yeah, not and good. we have both on roster, and both are looking really good in the preseason. So there's a lot of teams: the Browns, the Vikings, the Saints. There's a couple teams that need a kicker right now. Yeah, I would love for us to. We Cybert was a dude we just randomly picked up on the street because we needed a kicker for one game last year. Mm-hmm. If we can turn him into a six round pick for some desperate team, like you guys, no offense, that'd be amazing. I would love to see that. I don't think he's coming <laughs> back to Cleveland. It really you don't think so. puts in perspective though, how like, you know, the Raiders got so much crap for spending like a high pick on Janikowski, but Janikowski yeah. was their kicker for 15 years. Like it, was it worth it? Yeah. Probably yeah. not. But like in hindsight, it seems a lot, it seems a lot more valuable now. I mean, the Buccaneers yeah. spent a second-round pick on uh, yeah. the same Roberto Aguayo. That did not work out, And though. he was trash. Yeah, that's that's yeah. when it goes left. Yeah. Okay, Jabez, what about you? What are what are the two things you're looking for with the Steelers? Offensive line. That's the big one. Obviously, I think it's a huge reason why our season fell apart last year. We had a nice lineup of former, you know, like all-pro, pro-bowl offensive linemen that just got too old, were very banged up. And things went south for us last year. We rebuilt the entire offensive line. I think they're ready to go. I mean, we'll see. Is Marquise Pouncey on the team? Is he there? He, no, he retired. Okay. Because I thought the whole thing DeCastro was like, he, he and Benny was gonna, they were going to retire together. And then that yeah. didn't happen. So. Yeah. Pouncey <laughs> went to the Ravens, right? But DeCastro's yet to be signed, I think. Well, it's because he's going to be out for like the whole year. He's got to have sure. surgery. Yeah. And like he said, he said he'd probably retire, but we'll see. So, yeah, we do have a – I mean, we have an ISO line. They're mostly young besides Trey Turner, who isn't very old. You know, he's like 29. He had, you know, a couple seasons that were riddled with injuries. Uh, but a couple years ago, you know, he was a purple player. So, we'll see. Um, also, our offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, that's a big part of that same success with the offensive line. We've been very stagnant the last few years with Randy Feekner as our offensive coordinator. Just not a very good play caller. You know, he had a good relationship with Ben, but they could never really figure that out on the offensive side. Matt Canada, you know, is a very good schemer when he was a college coach. He kind of was in with us as like an offensive assistant last year, um, and it took over that starting offensive coordinator role. So very excited to see how that plays out. I know that our defense will be top five in the league. Not a concern with me. Personnel is great. Defensive coaching is great. It's going to go just fine on that end. We scoff at that, Davili, but like, it's true. It's, we'll that's, see. That's, that's kind be. of a constant. <laughs> and throughout we'll all see. of our, our lifetime, I feel like there's only been like two years where the Steelers have had a subpar defense. And, and it was I, when our offense was the best. They get it yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime. So for me, the two things I'm looking for with the Browns, like how the weapons are going to come together on offense. Because after Odell Beckham Jr. went down last year, we saw the offense kind of take off for the Browns, where Rashard Higgins was making a lot of big plays. Donovan Peoples-Jones was making a lot of big plays as a rookie. 
and Jarvis Landry was stepping up and being that consistent number one guy. Everyone's like, oh, are the Browns a, a better offense without Odell Beckham Jr.? And obviously we know the answer to that is no, because he's one of the, at his peak, one of the best wide receivers in the league. But we've not seen it in Cleveland. And now you have, if you think about the Browns wide receivers alone, they have Odell, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but then they have Anthony Schwartz, who was a third-round pick, the fastest guy in the draft from Auburn. But he's probably just going to be doing like jet sweep stuff because there's no room for these guys to play on offense. And they have three yeah. three tight ends that could all be starters elsewhere, Hooper and Joku and Harrison Bryant. I just don't know how it's all going to work. Now, obviously, somebody's going to get hurt somewhere along the line to create a void. Someone, they'll have enough people to step into those roles. I'm not worried about that. It seemed like when ba- when Odell was there with Baker, Baker would try to get him those five, six targets like right off the bat, and he would seemingly force the ball to him. And yes, Odell Beckham Jr. can make contested catches, but as we saw when Odell left, it seemed Baker was more, more prone to going through his progression and just finding the open man. That's why we have Stefanski, Chef Steph, Coach of the Year, so... So we'll get to that. Chef Steph. Um, Chef Steph. <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of him, by the way, I, I meant to talk touch on this later, but the coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, I've been vying for this ever since we almost hired him the first time when they hired Freddie Kitchens instead. Kevin Stefanski is a Lululemon dad. Shannon has talked to me, my wife, about this a bunch. Like when she used to work at LA Fitness, they would talk about all the Lululemon dads. It was like those late 30s, early 40s dads. That would come in like the silver fox, like touch of gray, just for men look. And like you rocking that Lululemon and like Stefanski is a handsome dude. And if you look at pictures of him in the past, really not that like he wasn't that chiseled, but must be like you just stay in an NFL locker room for 20 years and it just makes you better looking. I don't know something about the osmosis of it all. That's something we got to talk about because this could be a great audio clip for Twitter is who is the hottest coach in the AFC North? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll argue for Taylor. He's a Callaway dad. He's the guy who's wearing <laughs> a golf outfit seven days a week, regardless of the circumstance. He's got a nice polo on probably like a Titleist hat. You know, he's probably got like some shorts that are like as wide. The legs are as wide as they are short, you know, just looking great going into the coffee shop. It, it, he's so hot. I mean, what, what else can I say? Jay Biz, what what wow. kind of dad is Tomlin? <laughs> Tomlin is that uncle that you don't want to piss off because he just looks like no. you rip your fucking throat out. You he look is. at him the wrong way. He's always got the sunglasses on. And I know it's like partially trying to look tough, but it works. <laughs> yeah. He's the uncle who's not afraid to discipline his siblings' children. That's who Mike Tomlin is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a tough dude. He's a tough dude, but you know, he yeah. builds great relationships with his players. So yeah. No, he's and he's not afraid to scream at his daughter's kids coach. at Thanksgiving dinner. Exactly. That'll be you, Ethan. Yeah. Harbaugh. You think so? <laughs> see, Harbaugh is just kind of like uh, just a normal looking dude. Like I don't, I don't feel any type of way about him looks wise. Taylor, not no. a bad looking guy. He also looks very much like this one guy that used to go to my gym back in the day. <laughs> so like every, it was during the football season. I was like, Oh, there's Zach Taylor. And I don't think, if you can pass for just common people in everyday life and that person's not getting like hounded, I don't know if you're a hot coach. No offense, Zach Taylor. Stefanski no. though, they, they, they brought in Stefanski. They hired him about that introductory press conference, him in his nice suit. Uh, all the, all the moms in Cleveland just fond. He's got that variable oh, look. 
Oh yeah, Vrabel, see, Vrabel's just jacked though. Yeah. Vrabel's a handsome guy too, though. Yeah. But I, I think Stefanski, most handsome coach in the league. I'm, I'm staking my claim okay. to it. So we'll see. Maybe we'll have the NFL work that into the, the awards at the end of the year. Because kids, right, maybe we'll have to do. Maybe I, when we do our weekly podcast for games, we'll have to do fit checks for the coaches and right. just see who got their look the best. Right. Because <laughs> King, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Shanahan, they always get the credit. Like, oh, what a hot, hot coach! What a hot young guy! coaching this NFL team, but they're both like, they kind of look similar first off. And I think it's more the fact that they don't dress like NFL coaches that sets them apart. I just think they dress younger. Yeah. He'll just throw on like a long sleeve dry fit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is my coach shirt. So yeah, the other, anyways, about the Browns, the other thing I'm looking for this season is the kind of the defensive backfield at large, because Denzel Ward is really the only guy that is returning and that was the weak point for sure of the browns defense last year is they just could not stop a pass especially once guys started going down later in the season they'll have greedy williams who missed pretty much all last year who did miss all last year they will have grant delpit hopefully who will be he was a second round pick last year out of lsu big playmaker when he was in college they will have they brought john johnson the third and troy hill both from the rams john johnson the third he was the defensive captain of the rams last year so That'll be a big addition. Linebacker, not exactly secondary, but Anthony Walker Jr. And Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, who can be like the kind of hybrid safety linebacker guy that can cover the pass. And then they also have a guy named Richard LeCount the third. I want to say yeah, Richard LeCount the third, because they have Greg Newsom the second, who was the first round draft pick this year. He may play that second quarter or the slot corner. But Richard LeCount was a fifth round pick from Georgia and he was a a pretty good player in the sec, but he had a motorcycle accident before the draft prep. And that kind of dropped him down because he ran like a four, seven 40 time. And it was like trying to stay away from him. Well, the Browns took a flyer on him and he's been making play after play through the joint practices, through the preseason games. He had an interception in both of the first preseason games. And he's a guy that like, he's going to be maybe the fourth, fifth safety. It's just crazy how they turned their biggest weakness into maybe one of the the biggest strengths of the team aside from running back and wide receiver. What say you? Yeah. Kind of going off what you're saying. It's so weird how fa- linebacker can fall off so fast. Did you see mm-hmm. Joe Schober just got traded for like a six round pick or something? Yeah. Yeah. Remember how last year at this exact time, he was like one of the top five free agents on the market mm-hmm. traded to Pittsburgh. what happened? Yeah. What happened to him? You get that Jacksonville stink on you. I yeah. guess that was weird. It's just weird how fast running backs and linebackers can just fall off in like a year. I've noticed that about yeah. those two positions. J- Joe Schobert is a good player, I think. Now, he was one of the leading tacklers in the league when he was with the Browns, but he played a, he played on the 0-16 team, that 1-15 team. So, like, obviously, no one at the defensive line is tackling anybody. So, like, it's going to get to the linebackers. No wonder he was one of the leading tacklers. I, I hope for you that he is all right, not against the Browns, but – it is just tough to see a guy that like you you appreciated and you liked, and now he's on one of your biggest rivals. Yeah, we yeah, have depth yeah. at linebacker ahead of him, like between Bush, Robert Spillane yeah. inside and then outside. You know, obviously we've got Alex Highsmith, we've got mm-hmm. we've got T.J. Watt again, number nine yeah. player, number nine player in the number top nine player yeah. in the top one hundred. The Steelers are funny because they say they all all no. they all the analysts say the two positions you never take in the first round are running back and linebacker. And I don't <laughs> even know your guys' draft history. I mean, it's clearly worked out for you. So it's just it's weird because you guys are the only guys that do that. And it's 
it's going okay. <laughs> so. Speaking of all these new players on new teams, they always talk about the learning curve for like a rookie quarterback learning the playbook or just any rookie coming into the NFL. Like, so we, we know that an NFL team runs about like 60 to 70 plays per game on offense, but how many plays are in the playbook? Like well, if you guys were to put a guess on that, well, what would you think? That's a great question. Um, exactly. Because to me, it like seems 40, 40 in the play, like for a game or more. I want to say it's, I guess I'm saying 40, like not counting, like flipping them back and forth, like yeah. not to get into Madden, you know, but yeah. like, <laughs> but obviously know. like a lot of plays like two are being adjusted or changed at the line of scrimmage, especially by teams with more, Checks. with more veteran quarterbacks, you know? So, I mean, I know like when you're running hurry up, like a lot of it just has to be, is like, <laughs> the plays that the quarterback's calling on the fly, which obviously those are planned out ahead of time. Yeah. Like they kind of have a conversation ahead plays. of time. It's like, Hey, yeah, we have these. Yeah, exactly. And like variations yeah. to the same plays. So, I mean, right. I, I guess, wouldn't say more than a hundred when you think of all the variations, yeah, I think there's there. way more than that. You know, what I looked up was that there are anywhere from like 75 to a hundred pass plays that are chosen for a certain game. And then there'll be maybe 20 to 25 run plays, which makes Makes sense sense. because like if a run play is working, you can just do it again. Um, Whereas pass plays, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it as far as the route concepts and everything like that. Now I did hear some coach that had worked with Brett Favre was talking about it. And he said, Oh, well, Brett was like, you know, we don't need all these plays and stuff. We can just run these five. Like we know what we we know what we're doing. And he just tried to go off of those five plays (laughs) for the whole season and maybe he did it i don't know we don't know and that's how i like to think like peyton manning when he was omaha checking there maybe were like four different plays they're like like we said six in the no huddle like that he was going to each time like what are the checks when you and i'm, I'm kind of rambling on this point but it's really mind-blowing to me because if you think about how much plays build on plays throughout the season with how much film everybody watches like i the browns were when they ran whatever that big long touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples Jones against the Titans was like the 60 yard touchdown. That was apparently because they had seen something with how the Titans reacted to a play that the Browns had run in week two. And they knew that if we change one thing on this play, like make it a play action boot or something like that, that this safety is going to be here. This corner is going to be here. And it's just wild to me, like how much actually, how much thinking and intellectual activity goes into designing a playbook because when we do go on Madden like I know my 10 plays that work for me and I don't touch the rest of right <laughs> so we've all got like those three running plays and those yeah. that one slant we've all got that one slant quick, quick slants I'll run yeah. those 15 times. quick slants <laughs> bench swap those my yeah. go-tos we get that slip screen somebody starts blitzing me yep we're good to go you know I, I watch a lot of uh like I watch get up most days on ESPN you know, they were talking about the rookie quarterbacks and how they process information. And like, you know, they're going through and showing like what Trey Lance has done. Just them talking about just the way that he like reads plays and makes decisions and how they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's not quite, you know, he's not quite ready, but you have the highest ceiling. Like Dan Orlovsky, you know, raves about this dude and talks about, see, this decision he does, you know, just shows how smart he is and how good he is at reading plays. And going based on that, and it's insane to me how quickly they have to do that. It's crazy. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No one thinks about how smart NFL players are, but they all have to be very intelligent. Right. Cool. Yeah, the wonderlick kind of matters. It kind of matters a little bit. (laughs) 
I heard they're actually getting rid of the Wonderlick a little bit, but I, I agree. They didn't take really. it this past year. I don't think no they more took standardized other, testing. They took some other kind of testing this <laughs> yeah. past year. Um, yeah. It wasn't the Wonderlick. Right. But yeah, moving on, we, we did have Joe Burrow as our inaugural King of the North. What we need here is like a King of the North, like some kind of like boom, 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 thing that goes in like the TMZ. You know, oh, you can pull it off like Game of Thrones and they're all exactly chanting, the king of the north. Yeah. So stay the tuned on that. North. Stay tuned on that. We may have a some kind of sound yeah. effect coming up. in. But Joe Burrow was our initial king of the north for his uh, Chip Skylark shiny teeth um, that are new to his mouth. But do you guys so, have any kings of the north for, for this week? I think Ethan would like to take it away. He was yeah. making a very good point yes. about the Baltimore Ravens and yes. how they have a, I'll say, a Yeah, I'll candidate. say Gus Edwards. Ooh, yeah. Gus Bus. Um, yeah, I'll say Gus Bus because I think he's going to be their running back one right now. Because I I forgot till today Ingram's gone, J.K. Dobbins. I don't think the news has come out quite yet. They're like waiting on the MRI, but it seems like they're pretty sure. They said they said testing was today, so I don't know what. Yeah, time. it Did sounds you... like they think Jay Biz is checking so. checking the stats right now. They're checking the, Check the stats. Sh- yes, Schefter yes, tweets. Rappaport's I tweets. think Gus Edwards is going to have behind that O line. He's going to have yeah. a heck of an opportunity for him to become a big name in the NFL. Maybe become the solid number two at Baltimore. Maybe a few years from now, be a yeah. big guy somewhere else. We'll see what happens. But we'll uh, I'm going to give him my King of the North for this week, based Absolutely. on his. I don't even know how he did in the preseason. This is just I'm giving him King of the North based on someone else tearing their ACL. Hate to the, say it, but that's it. <laughs> the the only thing I saw of Gus Edwards in the preseason was of him on the sideline and he had a actual Gus bus train or chain, not train. He had a Gus bus chain. I'm thinking all modes of transportation here. So yeah, all aboard the Gus bus. Now, if, if Gus Edwards doesn't pan out, they do have justice Hill. I think will be in his third year out of Oklahoma state. He didn't see a lot of playing time last year and really Edwards didn't see a lot of playing time. It was kind of like Ingram and then JK Dobbins came on late in the year and now Ingram's gone. So you I'm think they'll sure call Todd Gurley? They may. They just might. Because what do you think Todd's going to be like? Nah, my knee's broken too. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I bet they're, they call Todd Gurley. I'm not kidding. They're not afraid to to sign big names. No, late. There are only so many options out there, and we could see without a defined running back number one because Edwards has always been more that up the middle guy. He's not really a shifty, not really a shifty back as much. So we may see a big rushing total season from Lamar Jackson. I know they're trying to get him to kind of stray away from being a mobile quarterback. Yeah. But because RG3 is there on the sideline saying, dude, they're going to kill you. I've been down this yeah. road. You know, he's whispering to him. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, our RG3 is retired. I think he's, uh, well, he, he has is, a clause. He's, he's, he's been on ESPN, ESPN, but he has a clause in his ESPN deal that says, like, if he gets offered a contract, he can get out of it. So okay. we'll see. But yeah, yeah. You, you talked about that Tyler Huntley guy. He, he looks, uh, Lamar 1.0 with how fast he is yeah they're calling him Lamar light on Twitter (laughs) but I mean he looked great what he he threw for two touchdowns and had another a rushing one I think he's gonna be I get number two guys but yeah he's gonna be their number two guy well they have him they have him they have Trace McSorley who we saw in the he's better than Trace Browns Monday Night Football game didn't exactly uh do too well so yeah we'll see we'll see how it pans out for for the Gus bus but congratulations Gus you are the second official king of the north the king of the north podcast next uh our other segment a fan favorite when i say fans we had like 10 people listen to the episode so we'll see but the dick of the week and last week it was dick lebeau former coach of both the steelers 
and the Bengals. But today, we have a lesser-known guy, someone you guys probably don't know. His name is Dick Shiner. Now, Dick Shiner was a backup quarterback in the 1960s. He played for the Browns in 67, and then he played for the Steelers in both 68 and 69. If Dick Shiner was somebody that we knew about, like, it's kind of like Dick Buckus. Like, yeah, it's funny, but everyone knows about Dick Buckus. Imagine... And like contemporary times like this, we're, we're watching the preseason football and we see Dick Shiner come out for the Steelers, like leading the team. Like that would be amazing. Like Dick Shiner as your starting QB, mm, probably don't want a guy named Dick Shiner as your starting QB. I, that's just the jokes write themselves. But Dick <laughs> Shiner as your backup, we got, you got Dick Shiner coming in to save the day. Oh, Big Ben went down. Don't worry. Shiner's coming in. Dick. Also, just great Dick name. Shiner. Yeah, I think I think we all we all would ask for a little Dick Shiner from time to time, but the one and only Dick Shiner came back in uh the sixties and left oh, his mark. Sixty nine, exactly sixty nine. Yeah, for the for the Steelers, Dick Shiner in sixty nine. So left his mark on the AFC North. So congratulations, Dick Shiner. I think you're still alive. You were at least when I googled you earlier this week. So he's out there. Yeah, we're gonna knock on wood there. Shout out to you, Dick. Yeah, hopefully your grandson or something can show you this. So next, we'll go to, since we are starting the season, I just wanted to kind of see what you guys were thinking compared to Vegas. So if you go to the Vegas odds for the AFC North, currently coming in at winning, this is according to VegasInsider.com, by the way. The Baltimore Ravens are slated at 11 wins. The Browns at 10.5 the Steelers at 8.5 and then the Cincinnati Bengals at 6.5, which honestly I'd say those are pretty, pretty fair numbers all around. I think the, uh, you could switch the Browns and Ravens around. Cause I don't know. I mean, I know the, we make fun of the, Oh, the, is this the year the NFL figures out Lamar Jackson, but they don't have, they still don't have that many, you know, solid targets for him to throw to other than Mark Andrews. And now you don't have JK Dobbins, a solid like receiving threat out of the backfield. And their their first round pick, Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman is out for the foreseeable yeah, future. And they still Sammy have Mark isn't like a guy that yeah you're like let's go to him in the fourth quarter. Like he is, but he's that might be opponent. Sammy Watkins is like an all time uh, trading camp player. Like oh, we got Sammy Watkins this year. He's going to set it off. But he never. He yeah. always seems like he's hurt or he's kind of been swallowed up the last few years on the Chiefs, which can happen. Yeah, Chiefs, he's but. like he's like the NFL version of that dude that just plays for the NBA contender every year and just hits a bunch <laughs> of for him. Like that's Sammy Watkins. Exactly. He's cool. just on a new team every season and he just gets some points. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It's like uh, Danny Green. Yeah, Danny Green. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the Danny, Danny Green. Green of the NFL. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you guys think? We got the like I said, Steelers eight and a half, Bengals six and a half. Do you, do you think? Obviously, we're all going to think that our team wins more. But, like, what's your what do you actually think your team is going to win without looking at the schedule or anything? Just say a number. Totally realistic. I think we are going to have an eight and nine season. Okay. To be completely honest, okay. I think we've got the talent for it, but we are in one of the hardest, if not the hardest, division of football. So, and that's with them. healthy, healthy Burrow, healthy Mixon the whole year. Yes. Assuming yeah. so, yes. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> what about you, Biz? Well, the official Madden simulation had Pittsburgh going 12 and five and winning the division and then losing the divisional round of the playoffs. Now I have different aspirations. I would, I could see us winning 10, 11, 12 games, maybe, you know, it'd be hard to win more than that. We have a tough schedule this year. I'll be the first to say it. Um, I could see us going 10 and seven, 11 and six. 
I see a run this year. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we're a better team than we were last year. Our Super Bowl odds are actually worse than last season, which to me don't really make sense. I see a big year from Pittsburgh. I think Ben's going to have a good season. I think Najee Harris is going to run all over the place, all over the place. Um, we look at Ben's stats when he has a 100-yard rusher. I mean, he's better than any quarterback in the league. So we'll see. Well, they also have to commit to the run, though. They Correct. And that. I, well, I think with a better offensive line, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, with an offensive line that's not hurt and aging, I think we can definitely do that. The problem last year, the reason Ben had to drop back and throw 40, 50 times a game, you know, is because we had no dependability on our run blocking. None at all. The, our offensive line couldn't put like drive men off, the, you know, off the ball, which is a problem. I think we'll do that this year. I think it could be a rough start. You know, we play at Buffalo week one. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, we're going to win that game. I mean, odds tell us we will not, but I think that'll be a good indication of where we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, but speaking of tough tests, the Browns actually start their season at Kansas City, rematch of the uh, divisional round. So we not, get to play the two AFC yeah. championship teams, <laughs> which I mean, on the road in week one. No better way to kind of see where you stand right off the bat, facing the best. So for me, the Browns were at 10 and a half, the Ravens at 11. This is probably before the J.K. Dobbins news that they set these odds. So I, I would think that the Browns would win maybe 11, 12, and then put the Ravens down at like 9, 10, 10 wins. Right where um, they are. Exactly, kind of right where the where the Steelers are right now. Now, Baker Mayfield always has these games where, like the Browns almost lost to the Jags last year. And there were a couple so plays. Yeah, there were a couple plays in the first <laughs> half, though, where it's like, Baker, like, what are you doing, man? Like he, he missed the most wide-open touchdown pass I've ever seen on a like a five-yard slant and it's just very odd because the Browns have some games where they're on and like when they're on like that like how they were against the Steelers in the playoffs you'd think wow no one could beat this team they could literally beat anyone in the league but then they have games where they're just so so often stagnant and I think having a better defense will help them this year but like I can't say that they're going to go 16 and one with that one loss being maybe week one to the to the, the Chiefs, because I think they're probably going to lose one to the Steelers, probably going to lose one to the Ravens, probably going to lose one to the Bengals, just seeing how the Bengals have steadily improved from year to year, like that offense. Like Brown, the Bengals almost beat the Browns. They should have beat the Browns last year when Burrow yeah. was healthy. That that game with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, walk-off touchdown. Our division and the NFC West are the best two divisions. There are two divisions that could every team could go 500 in the division, could go three and three you know, against each other. And it's just the way it is. Right. I wish we were in the NFC East so bad. I'm sitting here <laughs> oh, in this yeah. DC apartment. They like can't decide who's going to go 500 this year. That poor division. It's such a mess. Did you see that they, <laughs> they, they got a list, like the list of names mm-hmm. for the team. It, it, one of them will take effect next season. Yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing the Washington is, football team is on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm hearing people, I mean, this is just what I hear. I don't know. I'm hearing people like Senators and Monuments. And Senators was the the old-timey baseball team. One of them is like one of them is like the presidents, I think. The Washington presidents. Washington presidents. I don't know. I, I don't think just uh, be like Joe Biden's head. I think if you if you name your team the presidents, regardless of who is in the Oval Office, you're gonna kind of alienate a good chunk of your fan base. <laughs> So yeah, these way. are these are the eight teams named like there are eight names named on their video that they released. It was the Armada, the Brigade, the Commanders, the Defenders, the Presidents, 
the Red Hogs, the Red Wolves, and the Washington football team. Personally, out of those, I like the Red Wolves. I like the Armada. That sounds the Washington really cool. Armada. Yeah. To me, those all sound like like second tier arena football team names. I bet, in all seriousness, not to make a political statement, I'll bet they go with something that still has red in the title. I think I like the yeah. Indians are becoming like the Guardians. I bet they'll want to keep mm. some part of their name. You know what I mean? I always liked what is it like the uh, you can do like a red one where it's like a yeah, plane. Um, like the red tails like the red tails, tails. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like a shout, shout out to the to like a plane airmen or whatever i think that's yeah cool. yeah i hate them for this but mike brown dropping the new jerseys this year the year after burrow was drafted that was smart that was a mm. smart business move make everybody buy a burrow jersey buy the burrow jersey twice the new uniform <laughs> line what yeah. a scumbag <laughs> what a smart scumbag he is because i think jd did i think jd bought a burrow jersey last year and yep. then yeah, last year, year at one point, like right obviously after the draft, he was the number one jersey in the country. And then I think like halfway through the regular season, he was still like number three, like wow. top jersey sale. I think him just and, like Brady uh, and Rogers were beating yeah, him out. But say that Tampa Bay Brady 12. As, as far as the, the football team, we talked about like the Cleveland Guardians. I think in like this social media age, I sound like a boomer, but it's so tough to change people's conceptions of like, even at Miami, there's still, there's still old dudes at the sporting events there. They call them the, the R skins there, you know? Like, Oh yeah. There's a lot of great old people that still scream like go Redskins. Like, yeah. They're always very old. But yes. Yeah. There's people that hang on to that for a long time. That's why yeah. I don't think they'll change their colors up. I think they want to rebrand, but they want to like keep the people on the fringe there. Like, yeah. The reason Cleveland had to come up with a new name is because they couldn't do like the baseball team, baseball club, because the football team has already claimed like ownership to that. that that's, why, that's why that's why I think they should they should stick with it because they can be the only football team. Yeah. In the league yes. of football teams, they are the football team. And that, that's just like there's something like it's almost funny, but it works. Somehow. Yeah. I don't know. The longer like it's the gone on. <laughs> yeah. That's like there was a there was a tweet that some nfl team put out or it was like a network said like who who really runs the state of new york is it the giants or the jets and the buffalo bills twitter people yeah. commented and said like, <laughs> we are literally the only team in new york how dare you <laughs> yeah yeah it's true yeah. but uh, speaking of the nfc east though it's always a uh, as we all know as we've heard on espn the cowboys are gonna win the division Billy, you know? <laughs> that's how it works the cowboys are always the best team they're probably gonna win the super bowl if I've learned yes. anything from the internet and uh, from ESPN. Did you hear what quarterback? So the Philadelphia Eagles obviously said what they have is not a quarterback competition. You know, they gave Jalen Hurts the job, brought in Flacco. Everyone <laughs> knows Flacco's not going to start. Does he, anyone hear about who they just traded for? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. Ooh. So Gardner Minshew is a Philadelphia Eagle. Nothing screams quarterback competition louder to me than bringing him in to – compete with uh Jalen Hurts for the starting job it's, a lot of people are giving it already to Minshew at some point in the year and I just interesting I don't know I don't know we'll see um I feel badly for Jalen Hurts yeah guys gets replaced everywhere he just can't <laughs> stick somewhere I know I feel bad for him too and he looks good I just picked him as our my quarterback in one of my other fantasy leagues yeah. so I mean we'll see yeah we'll see what happens we'll see yeah, I do I feel bad for him too I don't know Gardner's probably just too uh Two lacks of a guy to fit in Urban Myers. Garden Minshew, he was a sixth rounder. Yeah. What what starting name? Let's name what are the starting quarterbacks in the NFL that were not a first or second round pick? You've got Dak, Russell Wilson, Kurt Cousins. 
sort of kind of Gardner Minshew. Is there anyone else? Andy Dalton, Davili. Come on. Well, I said first or second. <laughs> second. He oh, was okay. a second rounder. Okay. Yeah, I can fine. think of those four. I can't think of any, to be honest, but I just, you know, when your team drafts so many quarterbacks in the first round, year after year, you just kind of assume that that's where quarterbacks Ryan Fitzpatrick. 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 Yeah. Oh, Tom Brady. Duh. Tom Brady. Who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's he play for? Uh, Indy, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, Indy probably has a... Well, I guess Carson Wentz is going to be Carson back. Wentz will be, he'll be back for week one. He's he's good. Yeah, He's actually doing a lot better on the recovery than they thought. Basically, he had an injury that's been kind of plaguing him since, like, high school. But it kind of, like, the bone, like, broke and was, like, kind of loose in his foot and made the situation worse. And they went in with surgery and removed the bone completely. And they said, like, he's fine. Obviously, they said the surgery went great. And there's going to be a little bit of pain. And that's how it's going to determine when he would be able to play, right? So it's not like, a, oh, he still needs to recover. It's like, okay, playing week one, it's like, where's your pain tolerance, right? Yeah. And it looks like he's going to play week one. Well, as we saw kind of last year, Gar- or not Gardner Minshew, but uh, Carson Wentz playing hurt. It, like, he kind of did that all last season with the Eagles and – not really work so well because he no. played through the pain but like at what level is playing through the pain actually hurting you you know yeah and well they said his pain should basically be gone like it sounds like this is like you know one of those things that they thought oh my god this can be bad and i think it's gonna be yeah. just fine we'll see colts yeah. have high expectations they have a great roster uh they play in a wide open division obviously i mean they have one competitor there and it's the the titans yeah so why Hilton's going to be out for a little bit now, it seems like, though. Yeah, they have a lot There's of young lot talent. Of they have a lot, a lot of young talent at receiver, yeah. though, if they can just prove themselves. And yeah, don't we all hate that when uh, a mystery bone just pops up in our foot? Happens to me all the time, guys. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> a mystery bone. Moving on, kind of shifting. Uh, you, you moved AFC South. I'm going to go NFC South on you. This is a little outdated by this point, but I saw an interview with Calvin Ridley of the Falcons at training camp where he was talking about how his pregame meal when he's in Atlanta is from a car wash bistro. He says it's a car wash and a restaurant and how he goes in there, he gets wings and something and that like, that's what he takes to go. And this made the, the rounds all on Twitter and everything. Cause everyone's like, what the hell car wash bistro. He's getting his food from a car wash. And then I was watching love is blind on Netflix. Uh, terrible show, but you know, we all need it. We all need some yeah. terrible shows. <laughs> So they were doing a kind of a four episode or three episode, like revival, I guess, um, kind of revisiting everything. And one of the people in the show, their personal part where they went and, you know, talk to them, see how they were doing. They went to a car wash bistro in Atlanta and like, it has to be the same one, right? Like it has to be. Is that a thing? If it's a thing anywhere, it's a thing in Atlanta. Like if there's more than one of them, it's going to be in Atlanta. I can't imagine anywhere has anywhere else in the country has one. But if there's like if it's Atlanta, there might be like three, you know. It's like what having is, a restaurant I mean, in, a, in the gas stations, you know. Yeah. What a yeah. match of businesses that is. Well, maybe, maybe I wonder if it's like uh maybe just not like a, one of those drive-through car washes, but maybe it's something where you could like get out, go inside and eat, and they wash your car while you do it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll as a podcast we can head to Atlanta in the coming years and uh i think like the drive like the car wash is a drive-through like they hand you like stuff through your window then you go in and like as you go through the things that turn around like Uh, it looks like like a nice restaurant with like booths and like i mean mcdonald's has booths but like these look nice you know so i don't know what kind of food is it is it like 
Italian. Italian. Like, it was like wings, but I'm sure they have. Some, it looked it looked nice enough to where they would have nicer stuff in there too. Okay. I think anywhere in Atlanta. Obviously, the wings must be very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll check that out. Also, shifting gears, okay. um, Odell Beckham Jr. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I saw this picture. It was tweeted out by Timeless Sports. And the caption is, is 1991 Shaq and Odell Beckham Sr. out on LSU's campus. Now, I'll show you the picture here to Billy real quick. Okay. That's, that's Shaq. This is terrible radio. We might have to put this in video. But that's Shaq, obviously, the tall one. That's Odell Beckham's yeah. dad on the um, standing on the block there. Maybe talking OBS. to OBS. Maybe to, yeah, yeah, it's OBS. Maybe talking to potentially Odell Beckham's mom. But oh the gosh. thing that stood out to me most about this picture, you can't really see it from where you are, Davili. But he has rips in his jeans, and he's wearing like I, I an oversized yeah. tee. The fact that this is 1991, and this dude, this dude looks like he dresses like Juice World used to dress. Yeah, he <laughs> so does. His time. pants are so ahead of their time. Yes, it is, inc- and like Shaq looks good too. Shaq's in like the you know like the nice like varsity athlete swag. He's got the nice yeah. snapback, the little jumpsuit That's on, but like a 90s athlete outfit. Exactly, but Odo Beckham's dad, yeah. like he just looks like such a such a stud like in this like oh my god like the, the drip are, is incredible and it, it are really the beckham's trendsetters in 10 years will everyone have like the ramen noodle hair that obj has oh, is that, 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 gonna... that already happened yeah, yeah that, 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 that was like already happened a few years back yeah all the kids i think the question now is you know are people going to adopt the most recent popular obj trend and you know tear their ACL? start taking dumps on people oh. <laughs> <laughs> or having people i figured that's where this was going <laughs> or have people take dumps on them we all know what he was thinking when Lamar Jackson ran into that locker room last year against the Browns. He was thinking, yes. why can't I be there? Let me in. Why can't That's I be right. there? Hey, we don't kink shame. We don't kink shame. No, no, no. Of course not. Some of us are dumpers. Some of us are receivers. And it just depends on where you're at. He's, it depends on if you're receiving the Brown football or yeah. the the Brown, yeah. you know. So we'll yeah. see. But the, overall, I, I'm just, I, I thought about that photo of <laughs> Odell's dad for a long time. Just is drip really generational? Cause I look at my dad and like, he had some, some swag a little bit, but like, I think I, I, I mean, obviously I probably don't like, if you say that you're cool, you're not cool, but I think I dress well. And I look at my dad and I was like, yeah, dad, you know, Odo, Odo had no choice, but to be like a trendsetter. Just it's in his blood. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't know if you guys wanted to discuss the power rankings that they did. Like they were ESPN released, like their updated power rankings for the yeah. end of the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get mean, out of here soon, but I'm bound to do that before I get I mean, your sure. Browns, Corey, are pretty high up on that list. They were number seven. Really? Um, it was the Ravens at six, the Browns at seven, the Steelers were at 11, and the Bengals were at 28. Ooh. The, See, disrespect. I, the disrespect. I really so – the Bengals get hated on so much by the we national media. We do. It's media. so hard to deal with. And as somebody who, like, sees them twice a year, like, I know they're not a great team. But but they're better than they're that. Better. I yeah, no, I'm not saying we deserve top 10, but, like, we don't need to be fourth to last. Yeah. We That's should – realistically, in that list, I think we should be, like, 21. Like, you know, like, we're on the come up. Like, but don't put us down there. Come on. <laughs> No, that seems yeah. fair. 28. Yeah, I, I think as we all can kind of accept this fact that there are really only at most eight teams in any season that can actually win the Super Bowl. Jabez, you've been in that eight group for pretty much your whole life almost. I mean, there have been a few years Must be nice. on eight and eight, but like the Steelers are always like always in that conversation. And this is the first time ever for me that the Browns 
are, are in realistically in, a, in that conversation. Believe, not people just saying, oh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. No. But realistically, the Browns are at a point where they are one of the best teams in the NFL. Like, if, if the Browns don't win multiple playoff games, I don't want to say this year will have been a disappointment because I'm just setting myself up for failure. But if they don't win multiple play, if they don't win the Super Bowl, I'll be pissed. I'll be yeah. pissed this year. This is the year to Billy. Because it really you is like, something crazy. Yeah. I know things have changed in the last year, but with the Patriots, there was a kid named Thomas Ellis who lived in my dorm freshman year. And he said Thomas. to me, he was like, this is going to make me sound pretentious, but I swear I'm not making this up. When we are talking about football in my hometown, we're never thinking like, will we make the playoffs? Every single year we're saying like, who do you think will play in the AFC championship this year? Like that's what they're yeah. talking about in the preseason. And I just want to know who what that us. was like, <laughs> that 15-year period. Who will play right? us in the AFC championship? Like, they don't say, like, do you think we'll make the playoffs? Do you think we'll get the first-round bye? They know they're getting the first-round bye. Like, they're just – that's a given. They're like, who do you think will play to go to the Super Bowl? And I was just – as a Bengals fan, I, I'm so jealous of people like that, and they, it's, they don't know what they have. <laughs> that picture of the kid – or the pictures of the kid who keeps going to these Boston sports championship parades where he has, like, five Super Bowls – Three World Series, or no, it, 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 uh, what it actually says is he's like 13 years old, 11 parades, and 15 years. And I think he's probably in college now. And now that he's over 18, I would like to kick his ass. I would love to. I'll find him. I don't know where he is. I don't if know, any sure. of our listeners know where that kid is located, and if, if he's 18 years or older, please um, yes. send us his Twitter us. info so we can find Post his, him. Yeah, tag, tag his Twitter info on our Twitter account and let us know where he is so we can attack him. Well, I have a friend that we used to work for used to work for ESPN and was at the champion the last championship parade they had for the Patriots and actually interviewed him. So maybe I can hit her up, see if she still has his contact info, and I'll tell him to to pull up. But yeah, until we find his address, I think that does it. Um, his address, his phone number, his social security. So the, until, until, we until, until we find that the podcast is on hiatus. So that does it for this episode. No love lost, an AFC North roundtable. J Biz, Davili, myself. I never really introduced myself last podcast. They, you've been calling me Corey. Some people know me as Corbin. Um, you call me Boris too. I have a lot I of names. I call you Uncle Gory. Uncle Gory. So, whatever you want to call me, just call me. Subscribe, follow, leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Now we're on TikTok, boys, at No Love Lost NFL. No Love Lost. I'm new to TikTok personally. That's also some major boomer energy but we're trying to we're trying to learn and adapt be with these kids out here in the streets so i was going to say and to our future sponsors once we blow up that uh yes. the last conversation we had was on just we no love lost con podcast is not a uh, condone assault of any kind ah. thanks for listening to this episode of no love lost an afc north roundtable if you like us well obviously you do you're at this point in the episode so subscribe to us please leave us a review follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok at no love lost nfl to all our listeners out there congratulations you made it the nfl season is back